1: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker,
0: and I'm Jennifer Shett, budget and appropriations reporter.
1: And now that Congress is back for its lame duck session after these torturous elections, uh, they have two big tasks on their plate, and we want to do assess. The chances of seeing action on these things because they're huge undertakings and they have less than four weeks left to get them done. One, of course, is a new coronavirus relief package, and the other is an omnibus spending package for the current fiscal year, which is long overdue. There's less than four weeks left to get new funding in place, either a final spending deal, omnibus, or a stopgap measure punting into next year these are big tasks and and tensions are high and the election fallout is real Jen how's it looking
0: it's not looking good on either front um, first on another coronavirus relief package the good thing here is that Speaker Nancy Pelosi Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and even current President Donald Trump are all saying that they want a package before the end of the year to address the economic issues and the healthcare issues we're seeing from the pandemic. Um, the big hold up here is that no one's actually negotiating how to reach bipartisan agreement on that. We've heard from Pelosi, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, um, as well as President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden that they think the way to go is sort of a bigger sweeping package. Um, But Senate Republicans and a lot of House Republicans aren't really on board with doing something similar to the package House Democrats passed earlier in the year. Um, Depending on which version of that package you look at, Democrats and President-elect Biden are both saying that they want Something in either the 3.4 trillion or 2.4 trillion range. that was the Heroes Act um, that House Democrats put forward. At two separate points earlier this year, Senate Republicans are pushing for something more, they say, targeted that would most likely be in the 500 billion to one trillion range. And so there's significant differences there. And then the big challenge for appropriators trying to negotiate the dozen annual funding bills ahead of that December 11th timeline is just that they really don't have a lot of time to get this done. We've heard from aides that this week um, negotiators are trying to get agreement on those 12 subcommittee allocations um, until the chairs and ranking members of those subcommittees know exactly how how much they have to spend, it's really challenging for them to break that number down into department and agency allocations and to then prescribe to departments and agencies how much funding they have to spend for the fiscal year that began back on October 1st. So they're trying to work on that this week. And then we know that negotiations will be ongoing next week, the week of Thanksgiving. And then after that, when lawmakers return to Washington, they really have just a little bit over a week to reach final agreement on this massive omnibus spending bill that will total somewhere around $1.4 trillion um, by maybe December 6th, December 7th at the latest, because then you need to release legislative text and allow time for votes in the House and Senate before that current continuing resolution expires on December 11th.
1: Just to back up a bit on the, on the COVID aid, Jen, what was striking to me was we now have both party leaders, the, both the president and the president-elect, screaming at Congress to pass a big COVID deal. <laughs> I mean, we saw Joe Biden yesterday at a news conference saying he wants a massive relief package now because people are hurting now. And he made that point emphatically. And Trump, Has been pushing for several weeks for a big package. And he even suggested he wants a package that's even bigger than what Democrats have proposed. He's tweeting all the time go big, go focus, but go big, get it done now. Um, So you've got both of these leaders screaming for action on a big package. And we've seen no movement at all within Congress. We still have the same stalemate there that we've had for months on COVID aid. Really striking how both sides are frozen into their positions. What I was wondering is, would passing the elections pressure with that off their backs now? Would that free up an, a deal? Uh, did they feel they had to stay dug in until the elections? But now maybe now could they bend? So far, I don't. We haven't seen that, right?
0: No, it really doesn't seem like the election outcome has changed anyone's negotiating stance. We are hearing very different takeaways from Democrats and Republicans about what the election said. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has the, even though Democrats lost seats in the House, which was the opposite outcome that Democrats and a lot of pollsters predicted, that they still have a, quote, mandate to govern, and that President-elect Joe Biden being elected as president also helps to bolster their argument that the country is on their side about a multi-trillion dollar aid package. On the other side of things, we're hearing from Republicans that this was a very close election that we don't yet know the outcome of power in the Senate for the 117th Congress. That's coming down to two runoff races in Georgia on January 5th. If Democrats can pick up both those seats, it would be a tied 50 50 Senate. And in that situation, the vice president, which would be Kamala Harris, would break the tie. So Democrats would have the majority in the Senate come January 20th. And so we're seeing very different interpretations of the election from Democrats and Republicans and whether or not that means that lawmakers should have a more limited and, quote, targeted aid package, or whether or not they should sort of follow Democrats' lead and do a sweeping multi-trillion dollar proposal. We're also hearing very different takes on the pandemic and the economic situation from both Democrats and Republicans. Democrats are citing the numbers that show steep increases in coronavirus infections, hospitalization use of ICU beds and deaths throughout the country. They are saying that this spike is going to continue for months until the nation can get to widespread distribution of a vaccine, which is most likely going to start happening in April, right? Vaccine distribution will start to select individuals in December, frontline workers, teachers, people in nursing homes, but it won't get to the general population until April. And so Democrats are saying that in that in the meantime the country still needs to observe social distancing, people still need to limit their interactions and that's going to have an impact on the economy and the healthcare sector. Republicans are looking at the steady decline in unemployment claims, which is now about 6.9%. They're looking at those pretty positive thir- third quarter GDP numbers and they're looking at the two vaccines Um, that are on track for emergency use approval from the FDA, possibly as soon as late November, early December. And they're saying this all means that we can do a, a smaller package, which just sort of bridges the gap for the next few months. And so both parties are interpreting the election very differently, and both parties are interpreting the economy and the coronavirus rate of infection very differently. And that is what is really leading to the stalled negotiating process.
1: Yeah. And so the stalemate there continues. And we talked with analysts at CQ this past week that suggested they're they're just not counting on seeing any massive uh, aid package. And then Roy Blunt, the senior Senate appropriator, told reporters yesterday that he thinks the most they would get is just some what he called critical elements of pieces of of a COVID package that could be attached to any year-end spending measure. That seems to be the bet, that there's just not the, the, the consensus needed for, for uh, aid in the lame duck session.
0: Yeah, and Senator Rob Portman of Ohio said on CNBC Tuesday morning that he and other senators are working on some type of a targeted bipartisan proposal that they can release to congressional leaders that they're hoping they can get a vote on by the end of the year. I'm a little skeptical that that can actually gain traction. Um, A couple months ago, the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House put out a similar sort of slightly more focused bipartisan proposal and Speaker Nancy Pelosi at the time, which was before the elections. She said, you know, this is not what we're negotiating. I, you know, looked through it. My staff looked through it. This is not what we're talking about and you know White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows repeatedly pointed to that problem solvers caucus proposal as an option Democrats did not kind of latch on to that as a way to get aid passed before the elections and it doesn't seem like even if Senate Republicans put and Democrats I guess would put forward a bipartisan proposal from some of their members. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's something that Democrats are going to accept right now.
1: Okay, and so then let's talk about the omnibus package, this year-end spending deal for the fiscal year that began October first. That still isn't finished. Um, obviously, there's a. These are never easy to put together. We've got we've got huge funding fights again. We've got the dispute over the border wall again. We've got disputes on abortion policy and agency funding levels, all of that. What's the betting there? It seems like that's a long shot as well.
0: Yeah, there's a bit more optimism among lawmakers and some of the people we've been talking to about getting some type of spending bill passed before current funding expires on December 11th. But there's varying opinions about what is in that spending bill. At one end of the spectrum, you have people who think there's just not enough time. There's too many divisions. President Trump's campaign is still contesting the election results. Um, And so a continuing resolution is just the most likely scenario at this point in time. Just another stopgap spending bill that continues current funding levels and policy until maybe late February or mid-March next year. Uh, that way on the, we, the Congress would be on the other side of an inauguration of president-elect Joe Biden and the Senate would know the outcome of those two Georgia runoffs. Um, a lot of people in the middle who think that house Democrats and Senate Republicans can get to agreement on some type of hybrid package, most likely a few of the less controversial spending bills that they negotiate, And then they do that sort of stopgap spending bill for departments and agencies that don't get new full-year spending bills. And there's a few optimists really holding out hope that Congress, um, particularly appropriators, can wrap up negotiations on all dozen annual funding bills before December 11th. The calendar right now is a little bit against them. Um, This week, staff um, and appropriators are trying to sort of start those negotiations, get agreement between the House and Senate on how much of roughly $1.4 trillion they're going to spend on each of the dozen annual spending bills. Uh, subcommittees can start you know, working out some of the issues that they can get done. And then after that, they'll kick it up to the four corners of the Appropriations Committee. And then whatever they can't resolve typically gets kicked up to leadership to resolve um, really, there's not a whole lot of time to do that negotiating. It's going to include late nights and weekend work and just a bit of long odds they can get all dozen bills enacted.
1: It seems to me that there's also these political dilemmas here that are that are complicating a, a, an omnibus deal. For Democrats, I think you know they've been torn for a long time. Do we get a deal done now and give Joe Biden a clean slate as he's next year to launch his legislative agenda, his own priorities? Or do we punt on this until next year, just to a stopgap measure, because we'll have more leverage to write the final spending bills next year under a Democratic president and and possibly a Democratic-controlled Senate? Um, That's a real dilemma for them as to which way to go, I think, because you can make the case on either side, uh, what makes sense for them politically. And then for Republicans, they're dealing with this mercurial president who turns on a dime. And we found out yesterday, they're they're actually quite nervous as to whether Trump would sign any omnibus deal, right?
0: Right. And so it doesn't sound like the White House at this point in time is particularly involved in these appropriations negotiations. Um, It sounds like there's some communications taking place sort of behind the scenes, Um, between Senate Republicans and White House staff, but it doesn't sound like it's um, significant. And so if the White House doesn't buy in to what is being negotiated, if Trump isn't kind of read in and feels like he is part of this and supports this deal, there are some concerns that even if House Democrats and Senate Republicans can reach agreement on a spending package that he might not sign that bill, Um, Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby, a Republican of Alabama, was asked about this Monday evening um, by the Capitol Hill pool, you know, are you concerned that Trump would not be willing to sign an omnibus or a CR? And Shelby said, quote, I think that's always a concern. Any president is part of the equation that we have to deal with and we're dealing with it. That's a good question you just asked. And And it's one we're aware of. And that we're trying to think of in the overall context. Um, Shelby is typically a little bit more cautious about how he approaches questions like that. Um, to me, in in terms of my experience talking with him pretty frequently, um, it does sound like Republicans are concerned that Trump is a wild card in these negotiations, um, and so it sounds like they're trying to plan for that. But I think that's a really challenging issue to plan for.
1: Okay. So, uh, lots to do and little time to do it. Uh, and neither of these two big, <laughs> big undertakings are looking all that promising uh, at this point. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
0: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
1: You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.